0: Welcome to Lead On, a program where we talk about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, and for a number of years I've been a ministry leader. I've been a pastor and a church planter and a ministry executive. And throughout those experiences, I've learned a lot about what it takes to apply the Christian worldview and truth from scripture into some of the practical issues we face as ministry leaders. Now, this program today is going to talk about something that is very common in summertime church ministry. And as we lead into the summer, a lot of you will be experiencing this and uh, will be working in these kinds of projects. And so I want to talk today about how to have effective short-term mission trips. You know, these are very popular today. Churches organize teams and send them out for one to maybe three weeks. Uh, Sometimes they're uh, local trips or domestic trips, but frequently they're international trips. And as COVID is uh, going away a bit in our world and travel is starting to open up again, if not this summer, then certainly into the fall and next summer, uh, this kind of ministry opportunity will be returning. And so what I want to talk about today is how to maximize these trips. I want to talk about some of the positive aspects of them and then also some of the negative aspects and point out some of the pitfalls that really can limit the effectiveness of this kind of ministry. And then I want to close out the show today by talking about some keys to effectiveness when you organize short-term mission teams. Now, again, I recognize that COVID has put a clamp down on a lot of travel right now, and I understand that. But things are opening up again, and one of the things that's going to open up again is short-term travel by churches and ministry organizations to send teams to accomplish these things called short-term mission trips. And when we do that, I want us to go back as effectively as possible. So first of all, let's talk about some of the positive aspects of this kind of ministry, particularly for a church. The first positive aspect is it really connects a church to global needs and to a global perspective And even to missionaries themselves who are working in difficult places. Now, when I talk about uh, connecting to a global need, I might mean something like what's going on in India, uh, where the COVID epidemic has been very difficult there and it's been really challenging. And, you know, I've been to India and I've seen uh, what the communities are like and what the major cities are like. And I've seen the great contrast between the wealth and the middle class and the poor in India, and I can see the limited healthcare accessibility and all that, and I, I I have a deeper compassion about that because I've actually been there. I've seen the needs up close, and when I hear about something going on globally, I feel more connected to it. It's not some faraway thing that we ought to be concerned about. It's personal with me because I've actually been there and experienced it. So one of the positive aspects of uh short-term mission trips is connecting people in your church to global needs and also, as I said, to a global perspective. I've traveled to a number of places in the world that have helped shape my perspective on world events and helped shape my perspective on uh, cultural response to those events and different ways that we view things as Americans. And for example, uh, when I've traveled in Asia, particularly the major cities, I've been astounded at the internet accessibility and how limited it is in the United States compared to, the, to what it is in some major cities in Asia. So that perspective helps me to understand that uh, all people in other places are not all in poverty. They're not all backwards. They're not all struggling. Uh, there are places in the world that are very advanced, including more technologically advanced than even we are here in the United States. And that kind of global perspective shift has come from me traveling and working in ministry contexts in those settings. And then another part of connecting to global needs is really knowing missionaries personally. You know, as a ministry leader over the years, I've sent out dozens and dozens and dozens of international workers. And one of the real joys I've had is going to visit them and work with them in the field where they're serving. Getting to see where they live, getting to understand the security issues they face, seeing the kind of work they're doing, looking at the results of their gospel sharing and church planting, and experiencing what their family goes through to just really, in some cases, survive day by day and week by week really changes my perspective on what it means to send people and even to prepare people who are going to be sent. So one of the positive aspects of short-term missions is the connecting church people to global needs, global perspectives, and the missionaries who serve us in those global contexts. Another positive aspect is increased generosity. When people go... And they see firsthand the challenges missionaries are living with. It motivates a deeper generosity, a, more, a greater willingness to give even more to help extend the gospel around the world. When, when you see uh, the needs in other places, you recognize how blessed we are here in the United States, how much we have and how much we waste, and you're moved deeply to come back and discipline your finances so that you're able to be more generous to meet the needs that you've experienced while you're on a short-term mission trip. Now, another positive aspect is that meaningful mission work and gospel sharing actually gets done. You know, teams are not sent out on religious tourism trips. They're not out just entertaining themselves or discovering new sites or taking some kind of a religious junket. These teams that we send out, they're actually supposed to be sharing the gospel, building up believers, strengthening the church globally, and that actually happens. And so when that's done, there's a direct contribution being made to the advance of God's kingdom and the mission that's being done around the world. Well, there's one final positive aspect, and that is short-term mission trips are actually a strong source of new career missionaries. Mission boards track the influences that cause people to volunteer to go with them to serve internationally. And there are some common themes, and one of those common themes is that many people who become career missionaries, who devote their entire lives to international service, first were impacted or first had the opportunity to experience missions and first started thinking about the possibility of committing themselves to a career in missions on a short-term mission trip. I was, for example, just reading yesterday uh, the story of a person who's been serving internationally for a number of years uh, and then moved on into other leadership roles in missions nationally here in the United States. And it all traced back to a first volunteer mission trip when he was working in a secular occupation, a member of a church, went uh, as a support person internationally on a team, and became so overwhelmed with the need and the opportunity and his responsibility to respond that he came home and entirely redirected his life and wound up serving a career in the mission, in a missional context. So there are positive aspects of short-term mission teams. They connect church members to global needs and perspectives and missionaries. They uh, facilitate increased generosity They enable meaningful mission work to be done. And ultimately, they're also a great source of new missionaries. So I want to challenge you, church leaders, uh, as travel opens up and as opportunities begin to present themselves again, start organizing your church again to get involved in short-term missions, sending people out for one to three weeks, uh, maybe even a little longer to work in teams all around the world to expand God's kingdom. Now, those are some of the positive aspects, but now... Let me talk about some of the negative aspects of short-term missions. These aren't often brought up in public context because we want to paint the mission in the most positive light. And I've led today on the program with the positives, and I think we ought to focus on the positives. And I want to be careful that as I highlight these negatives, I want to be careful to remind you that I've already said there are many positives, And those positives certainly outweigh the negatives, and we definitely ought to be doing short-term mission trips. But in the context of all of that positive statement and positive affirmation, I want you to hear these negative observations. First, one negative of short-term mission trips is cultural insensitivity demonstrated by American Christians that actually does damage to our work overseas. Just one example. A mission team went out, and on about the third day, they were served the same meal. They were served rice. And one of the girls on the mission team uh, lamented quite loudly, Rice again? Is this all we're going to have? Well, that's all they had to eat because that's all that could be offered. And the people that were serving them had actually been shorting their rations for weeks in preparation to host this team and to serve them meals and to make it possible for them to work in their very poor community. This kind of cultural insensitivity, failure to train and supervise this person participating on this trip, created a significant setback. Because this Christian community that was doing so much to sacrifice to facilitate the work of this team and so much needed their encouragement and their support and their help, instead found themselves demoralized by this girl who only could say, rice again, when served this very sacrificial meal. So cultural insensitivity and expressions of it can undermine short-term missions effectiveness. Here's another negative what I'll call methodological arrogance. Sometimes large churches in the United States, particularly who are very successful at what they do, feel like that they should export that to other contexts and automatically see the same results in other places. Listen, there is nothing wrong with a church in the United States growing to be quite large by using methodologically sound strategies to reach more and more people for Jesus Christ. But we have to be careful that we don't make the assumption that just because we're doing something that works well in the United States, it's automatically going to work well everywhere else in the world. We have to have a methodological humility that enables us to go other places, learn from the Christians who are in place in those contexts, learn from the missionaries who are already doing work in other settings, and become part of their team rather than arrogantly telling them how to do their work. Another negative resource, or excuse me, negative aspect is what I will call wasted resources. I was talking with a missional leader in Mexico, and he said, "Uh, that building there, which looks so nice, it looks that way because it's been painted three times in the past two years. I said, well, why would you do that? He said, well, We get contacts from American youth groups who wanna come to Mexico and do something to help us. And the main thing they wanna do is paint or fix up buildings. We feel like that they'll get some benefit from doing that and it helps them to grow a little bit in their understanding of missions if they come, so we go ahead and invite them. But quite honestly, we just have them paint the same building over and over again. Because we don't need buildings painted. The buildings here are fine for the culture in which we're working and the people who've built them and maintained them and, and use them here feel they're very adequate. No, they don't come up to an American standard, but we're not trying to do that. What we really need are evangelistic workers and disciple makers. What we really need is people to visit the poor and to go into the most depra- deprived communities and uh, and share medical care and a basic ha- sanitation and to help people with the, 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 uh, the, just the most, uh, the most basic aspects of health in life. And in the context of doing that, share the gospel. But that's not what people want to come to do. They, they want to send their youth group down to paint a building. So we let them. But that's really not helping any. It's really just wasting resources. And maybe a little bit of good is done, and maybe those students will get a little bit of a vision of what they could actually come back and do that would make a real difference. So we let them come. But it's really not something we need to have done. So cultural insensitivity, methodological arrogance, and wasted resources, some of the negative aspects of short-term missions, but there's one more, and that is these top three all work together to produce this fourth negative, and that is the long-term team in place in the international setting is undermined. When a short-term team goes in and demonstrates these things, cultural insensitivity, methodological arrogance, and wasted resources, it doesn't just mean the team is limited while they're in place. It means they actually might be doing damage that the team that's left behind, the long-term team in place that's doing the missionary work, might actually be undermined in their efforts. A good friend of mine was on a mission team recently that was working in the Middle East. And when they arrived there, their hosts reinforced to them the dress requirements for the female members of their team. They had to dress very modestly, they had to cover their heads, they had, to, they had to make sure that they did not create a cultural scandal or cultural conflict while they were serving in this community. One of the Americans on the team was quite adamant that she would not, she would not be told how she was going to dress. Now, she had already been trained on this before she got there, so she had some expectation. But when she arrived and was it was reinforced to her by the locals and she saw how strictly it needed to be enforced... She reacted quite negatively and, in fact, went out in public dressed, which in that that culture, what was considered very inappropriately. She was trying to make a point about women's rights globally. But what she didn't understand was that she was undermining the credibility of the mission team, not only with the community that was watching, but also even with the embryonic faith in the new believers among the women of that community who were trying desperately to find ways to follow Jesus without creating persecution opportunities in their community. The long-term team was undermined by an American woman who absolutely refused to cooperate with the strategies in place and the cultural demands of her setting. So there are negative aspects of short-term missions, but let me reinforce, the positives outweigh the negatives, and the negatives can be mitigated with good training, With careful supervision and with a humility that reminds all of us that we go to serve others, not to have them serve us instead. So let me conclude today with some keys to effectiveness for short-term missions. How do you accentuate the positives and mitigate, if not eliminate, some of the negatives? So here are some suggestions As you start ramping up short-term mission trips again in your church or ministry organization, some keys to effectiveness in this kind of work. Number one, choose your team carefully. You all come. Anybody can go who can pay the money is not a way to assemble a short-term mission team. You have to look for maturity and competence and for capacity for ministry in proportion to the place where you're going. So choose the team carefully, with maturity and competence in proportion to the place you're going. Now, when I was a pastoral leader, our church had a three-fold strategy of sending teenagers on mission teams. We tried to send middle schoolers on domestic trips, which we called soft landing trips. We wanted them to go to a place where they would not have to worry too much about the food they ate, the water they drank, where they were going to use the restroom, and if they could get a shower every day. That really, we wanted to eliminate those things and just let them go and and serve in a place where we called it a soft landing to do missions. And typically, that was a domestic trip for middle schoolers and perhaps even some younger high schoolers. But then secondly, we wanted to take those same people on a second trip maybe two years later, which was a... Uh, a bit more challenging of a trip. We wanted them to take them to an international setting where they were going to, for the first time perhaps, experience some hardship in what they were doing. Now again, we wanted to make sure on this second trip that they had access to safe food and water, and uh, sanitation was a part of what they could access and the, uh, access and those kinds of things. And we wanted them to work in a setting where they might be in a city and uh, be around uh, you know, what they might consider a little bit more of the norm of life that they'd experienced here in the United States. And then the third trip, which we wanted people to take right near the end of high school or even into college, the third kind of trip was what we called the challenge trip. And this is where we wanted to take people where they had to be very careful about what they ate. They had to make sure they only drank bottled water or boiled water. Where they had to use the squatty potty and uh, maybe didn't get a shower for a week. We wanted to put them in a situation where they were really challenged to understand the global situation and the work that missionaries do when they're really on the front lines. So if you're taking a soft landing trip, yeah, you can take some pretty immature believers with limited competence in ministry, and that's in proportion to where they're going. And that's fine because you're trying to introduce younger Christians and maybe even younger teenagers to the concept of mission service. But as you move along, you want to make sure that as you have a more demanding trip, you have greater maturity and greater competence in proportion to what you're asking them to do. And certainly as you uh, uh, transition this into trips for primarily adults, you want to do the same thing. You don't want to take a bunch of people who've never been internationally to a place where they're not going to be able to drink the water for a week. That's just going to be asking too much. So you may need some layers or some levels of the kinds of trip you do. And if you do that, you want to make sure that the maturity and competence is in proportion to those places you're sending people. That leads us to the second key to effectiveness, and that is train the team and train them well. Train them both in the culture where they're going to work and in the missiology they need to put into place to be effective in that setting. And this is certainly more than a one-hour orientation or a one-time event. A good team meets weekly for training for several weeks before they go to build the team together and to build a shared common understanding of what they're doing and of the culture where they're going to be working. A third key to effectiveness is to submit to field leaders. This means that you submit to both missionaries and nationals. That when you arrive there, you do what they need done, not what you think needs to be done. That when you arrive on the field, you do your work in the way the missionaries coach you to get it done and not in the way you think it needs to be done. So for example, when I was in India this most recent time with the team from our school, we were paired up with an Indian Christian from the local church where we were serving in that particular community. And they made it very clear that we were going to go and visit in the homes in that neighborhood of people who had asked for the American team to come and visit. And some of these were Christian homes and some were not. But our Christian host had circulated in the community. There's an American team coming to talk with us about their relationship with God and how meaningful that can be for all of us. Would you like to host them in your home? And when Indians host you in their home, that's permissible. The government allows that. There's no fear of persecution coming. But you can't simply go door to door and invade people's privacy or put people on the spot. You have to be invited. And we were invited by multiples, and we shared the gospel many times. And often when we would go to a home, uh, there'd be a, a couple of dozen friends and neighbors that would have come to hear what we had to say. But we had to be very careful that we did this in the way that our missionaries and nationals told us to do it, not the way we might think we could do it if, as we came in from the outside. And then fi- uh, number four, do projects that are requested and not imposed. Do things people ask you to come and do, not what you think you want to do. So, for example, don't say as a church, you know, this is what our church does. We do Bible distribution. And we're going to go in the, somewhere in the world and we're going to do that. Well, only do that if you find somewhere in the world that actually asks you to come and do Bible distribution. Because you want to go and do the projects that are requested, not the projects that you impose. Then number five. Another key to effectiveness is connect with local people while you're there. Eat what they eat. Sleep when they sleep. Touch them in ways that are appropriate in that culture. Worship with them in the style and place of their choosing. If you do all these things, you're going to find yourself eating things you hadn't planned to eat, sleeping when you hadn't planned to sleep, staying up later or getting up earlier than you'd planned to do. You're going to find yourself holding hands, uh, sitting close to, or in other ways, sharing touch that's not common in America. You're going to find yourself worshiping in language you may not understand, with forms that may surprise you, with songs you've never sung before. And rather than go there and say, that's not the way to do it, Go there and say, I'm going to learn new things by connecting with local people and really immersing myself in the tapestry of Christianity as it's expressed globally. Well, last two things. Another key to effectiveness in short-term missions is share money carefully. Americans see great need and want to give generously to meet that need, but there's a good and appropriate and proper way to do that. Work very closely with the missionaries and national partners to learn how to share your resources most effectively that they don't skew or damage the work. And yes, that can be done by being generous in ways that are harmful. And then finally, and most importantly, in every opportunity, wherever you go, share the gospel as many times as you can. We're not on short-term mission trips to have a tourism experience. We're not out there to spread American culture. We're not out there to argue theology, or we're not even out there to make new friends with other believers from other places. Yes, some of those things are enjoyable and some of those things are part of every trip. But we are out there to share the gospel, to tell as many people as possible and as many places as possible what Jesus Christ means in our lives and what he can mean for them. Well, as COVID abates, short-term mission trips ramp up through this summer and certainly into next, your church and organization will be sending people out on these kind of projects. I've given you some positives because I believe in this kind of work some negatives to be on guard against, and seven keys to effectiveness that if you put them into practice, you'll have better short-term mission trips from your church or your organization. Put this into practice as we get ready to do this important work all over again and as you lead on.